When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast, joined by John Kurtz from KC Sports Network and K-State Sports. How you doing, John? Hey, I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? Not too bad. Well, we're about to be conference mates, and I'll put it to you like this. I could not be more excited about this uh, possibility right here. First and foremost, I've just got to say, is every is every Big 12 fan this cool because it feels like it's a uh, it feels like it's kind of a reflection of Arizona fans in a way that the way that they love their sports and their team. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's a pretty good marriage as far as that goes, from what I can tell. I think Big 12 fans, first and foremost, are excited that uh, Arizona fans are happy to be here and as excited as they are to be here right now, because there's been an incredible sense of camaraderie among the league and over the last two years. I mean, everybody the hateful eight, uh, as a lot of people have called them, had to really band together two years ago when Texas and Oklahoma left and they were getting trampled on. And Stuart Mandel was writing articles about how the TV numbers didn't compare favorably to the AAC. And there were reports of, hey, the AAC is going to come poach people. I think that really fostered a lot of uh, community between the fan bases. And then, you know, all the reports are that 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 has basically happened from an administration sort of level as well. Once, you know, Kansas had a flirtation with the Big Ten. I think they found out pretty fast that that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, schools like that were kind of looking toward the Pac-12 at one point in time, ironically enough. But once that really subsided and everybody kind of realized, hey, we're sort of stuck here, uh, our best bet is to stay together and band together. I think that's ratcheted it up even more so. But to the, the original point, I mean, you just have a lot of fan bases that are big, raucous, rowdy, and really care. Uh, I think it's just a totally different sort of vibe from the Pac-12 where you had a lot of major markets, big cities, and places where there are lots of better things to do uh, than pay attention to your, your college sports team. And so it's just a totally different sort of vibe here. But in the Big 12, you've got fan bases that are about as online as any that I've seen and about as engaged uh, as any that I've seen. Great facilities throughout the conference and schools that have won big. Uh, they're just not in these these major media markets or these historic brands that obviously are what drives conference realignment. See, I think a big reason that the Pac-12 got to this point and why I think so many you know, U of A fans are excited to be in the Big 12 is kind of this snobby attitude, too, that, oh, you know, we're from uh, we're we're up in uh, we're in L.A. or we're in Seattle. We are these elite academic institutions when at the end of the day, 
the Pac-12 didn't really have much going on for it with this media deal. Brett Yormark, who we're going to get to here, jumps that deal right there, puts it in. And now, especially after you had a lot of national sports, like you said, like a Stuart Mandel talking about the demise of the Big 12, you can look at the Big 12 right now and say that's this is easily the third most stable conference going outside of the Big 10 and the SEC. Oh, 100%, which is just such a change. You know, I mean, the, the other thing you have to remember about a lot of Big 12 fans here, I'll speak for myself as, as kind of an original yeah. April 8, uh, Big 8 sort of school. Um, I mean, you're, well, and West Virginia has been through this a lot, too. I really shouldn't do it just from that standpoint. But through the waves of conference realignment before, the Big 12 has always been a target. I mean, there's there's been six schools picked off of this. It's always a stressor. You are always uh, a conference that is kind of the butt of jokes, a conference that is not proactive, very reactive. Dan Beebe, I mean, there's still a fake Dan Beebe Twitter right. over there, the former commissioner of the Big 12 who stood watch on Missouri A&M, Nebraska, Colorado leaving, getting made fun of. Like, you were a punchline for a really long time. And so that is still a new reality for everybody here, that this is a stable conference. This is a conference that just benefited from a huge round of conference realignment. That is not something that anybody around here is, is really accustomed to. So that's, I think that's getting everybody to puff their chests out even more. I think you're seeing more big 12 pride and more camaraderie because of all that. This is not something that I think many people expected to happen two years ago, even when we started to forecast out how this was all going to work. And, and I mean, West Virginia, you know, West Virginia has been the victim of conference realignment a couple of times too, um, with things not working out the way they wanted to. I think they've always felt like they should have been in the big East or uh, right. the ACC um and the, the way the cards fell the big 12 played a, a role in that obviously in bringing west virginia in but when the the cards were falling at that point in time it didn't work out for them to get to the acc and now they've been playing this weird geographical game in the league for a long time uh so you have a conference full of schools that are, i think are pretty pretty delighted just to be in this situation for once and i understand everybody that's making a big deal about the landscape of college football i'm not saying that i agree <laughs> with the way things are right. going in college football i don't think it's a great thing for the sport either but I also want to selfishly take a little bit of time to just celebrate the position that uh, not only my school, but the rest of the schools in this conference are in right now as the third most stable conference in the country. Speaking of your school, so I grew up, my mother is uh, was born and raised in Crete, Nebraska. So I uh, grew up uh, in a Husker home right there. And I'll say this. I, and I say this to anybody, and I'm not just saying this since you're on here. I believe that Bill Snyder is one of the top 10 college football coaches of all time. I don't I know it doesn't have the national championship. I don't care when you do what he did at Kansas State, where you have, what, seven top 10 finishes in the 11 or 12 year period. To me, this guy is probably the most un, undervalued college football coach of all time, John. Yeah, I mean, I would I would make a case for you that I think it's it's arguable that he could be the greatest of all time because K-State was the worst college yes. football program in America when he took it over. Um, they had not won a game in two years, uh, two plus years by the time he he took over. We're, we're talking like as bad as Kansas has been, K-State was worse. Uh, right. Sports Illustrated wrote a, a famous, now infamous in K-State circles article in the 1989 College Football Preview magazine called Futility U about just how bad. That was the feature of their College Football Preview magazine was a long article about how bad it was at K-State. Couldn't even have full full practices when they first started, when, when Snyder first got there in 89. But, of course, he hired Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, Mark Mangino, Brent Venables, all these guys that have gone on to, to great coaching careers. And it is it is an undeniable, unbelievable job that he did. And at the peak of it, you know, I know people will argue about the peak. The peak of it, he won 11 games six times in seven years. Uh, from right. 1997 to 2003, they won 11 games every single year except one. 
Um, they had two close brushes with the national championship, 1998. Um, makes me sick still thinking about it, but all they have to do is beat Texas A&M, uh, who they were much better than in the Big 12 championship game. They blew a 17-point lead. They blew a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter. They lost in double overtime. Um, otherwise, they would have played Tennessee for the national championship that year, and, and I think probably won. I think they were the best team. Obviously, 2012, a loss at Baylor. Uh, when they were number one in the BCS two weeks ago in the regular season, kept them out there too. So I'm with you. I think you can absolutely make that case. Phenomenal coach. Things have been a little bit weird on the Bill Snyder front lately uh, since his departure, unfortunately. Sean Snyder, his son's now coaching at Kansas, but uh, look, right. all the respect in the world uh, for him and what he did at K-State. All right, we got to talk about Brett Yormark, uh, but first I want to hear what, uh, uh, Jacob, if you could pull up what uh, Bobby Robbins had to say today about the media deal um, that was presented to uh, the Pac-12 schools. The, I, I think the Apple thing was very intriguing. Um, uh, and and the, the student athletes, the, they were, you know, if you go and look at what happens with uh, MLS right now, um, you know, it, it was described to me the the technology and you can imagine apple being involved the technology was uh state of the art and the best and forward looking so when a when a player comes off the the field um you know they're given a file to download to their device and send out to their social media uh account about all their highlights of that game i mean i don't know how you get that now you're lucky that uh well we we, we video all the games, but are the players really going in and putting together their own highlight reels? So parts of it were very, very compelling and exciting. And it was Apple. Um, and it was, you know, in, in our backyard. And, um, but I think the, the base price, the guaranteed price, the fact that there was no linear and that it was subscription-based, none of us, you know, we were trying to think, well, it's going to be like, selling uh you know candy bars for little league or you know girl scout cookies uh i don't know if girl scout cookies or or you can say that anymore but um you get my point you've got to convince three to five million people every year to sign up for a hundred dollars a year to watch uh on a streaming only app i think i think you know, if you're asking Oregon and Washington, they, they came to uh, the conclusion that that may not be the best deal. And when, when they had opportunities for other deals, I think, again, not blaming anybody, they made the best decision that they thought was in the interest of their university. And I, I will never fault anybody for doing that. That to me hits the nail on the head right here. When you look at the Big 12, you have stability in place right there. You have a linear deal right there, obviously, with ESPN and Fox, and you also have the 31.7 guaranteed right there. It was a huge leap of faith, John, for Pac-12 schools, especially ones that had options, to settle for an Apple deal at $23 million and then have to go for basically $5 million subscriptions just to be able to get to that 31.7. That to me was always going to be a non-starter and behind the scenes that always was a non-starter yeah and i think what the mls number is like they have like one point something million right now so i mean you know thinking that you were going to significantly outduel them i mean again seeing some of the reporting saying that cleopcott was saying hey think big you know i mean this could get up to 50 million again they're back to that like 50 million dollar number which i think got them into trouble from the beginning uh, just just over promising there. And I realized they were kind of desperate at the end with with not many options. I mean, yeah, it, basically what it turned out, it was like the deal that 
came out at the end of the day was pretty similar to what I think had been sort of insinuated by, you know, even like the John Wilners of the world throughout the process. Right. Apple being involved. Uh, we started to hear a lot of smoke about um, that it could be very much heavily incentive based. And it was and that the starting number would be very low. And it was it was not a layup, uh, certainly to beat the Big 12 number, which we saw over and over and some of John Canzano's reporting coming from the Pac-12 side. So, yeah, a lot of bravado and posturing there, but the deal in actuality, I understand that there are some technological pieces there that are great. Um, I'm sure Michael Crow would agree with that too. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, like you can't be sending your your student athletes or whoever it is essentially door-to-door selling. My analogy, I like the Girl Scout analogy, my analogy was like George Klievkov going around like he's selling Cutco knives or something. I mean, like you just – you can't be doing that if you are, yes, a school with options to come join a league like the Big 12 with $32 million a year out there, or even Oregon and Washington, if it's going to be basically the same money, just the stability of the Big 10 and the stability of that money uh, was not something I think anybody ultimately could have turned down. So, yeah, everybody here certainly acted in their, their best interest. All right, let's talk about Brett Yormark because he caught my attention from day one when he took over because the difference to me with Brett Yormark and George Klievkoff is this, is that Brett Yormark talks – and he also acts, whereas George Klievkoff talks. And we talk about it uh, nonstop here. When Brett Yormark took over, he said that we're not. I'm going to get everybody a raise. A lot of people poo-pooed that. I'm going to take care of Texas and Oklahoma, and we're going to get this TV deal done. He's done all of that, and he let things play out perfectly right here. And let's not kid ourselves. The end goal was getting those corner four schools. And he did that. I mean, the guy, everything he said turned to, uh, to reality. Whereas Klievkoff is talking about, well, you know, maybe we'll go poach big 12 schools later on or about, um, you know, the longer we wait, the better TV deal. It was all just talk and bluster. Well, your Mark is the one actually doing it. I am so glad you said that because that has been one of my biggest sticking points throughout this whole thing. I hated the narrative that was out there for a while that like Brett Yormark was kind of the sleazy-ish used car salesman, like come out and make a bunch of big promises and not really back it up. Like uh, it's kind of mixing analogies, but there's some of like, you know, the big wig talking over your head, marketing guy from the East Coast mixed with like used car salesman. I mean, I feel like that was right. the way that a lot of the Pac-12 media really tried to paint him. And I was like, I mean, guys, like all he's done is come in and just accomplish things. Like he even said it at Big 12 media days. This, I was in Arlington a couple of weeks ago and he set it up on the podium. He was sort of like, look, I'm just open. Um, I'm not trying to be like predatory or anything um, inflammatory or anything like that. I mean, even Greg Sankey has gotten after him with some comments, but he's like, I just state clearly what I'm going to do. And then I go do it. And right. that's what he's done. I mean, the, the most br- stroke of brilliance that he had was absolutely jumping the, the line on the TV deal. Um, but even beyond that, you know, he had a strategy that sounded like it was go get Colorado and then let the rest of the chips fall where they may. And he perfectly executed that um, by being aggressive and very measured over time. And even stuff beyond that, just the messaging of the conference has completely changed. He's done such a good job of the conference now kind of sticks up for itself and does a better job promoting itself on social media and is doing things like being in Rucker Park in Mexico and all these different right. things that I think are very good. Lots of substantive action items in a world where it looked like there just really wasn't much you could do except let the uh, the SEC and the Big Ten run away. Meanwhile, George Klievkov took this. I mean, I think the best characterization is like the Big 12 realized it was about survival. George Klievkov seemed to think it was about catching the SEC and Big Ten, which is just a fool's errand. I mean, you're, you're not going to do that. And on the topic of him saying empty things, I think one of the more underreported things, one of the dumbest things that happened in this whole cycle over the last year was him saying 
and I don't remember specifically when it came, if it was maybe at like the basketball media day, but at one point he said pretty defiantly, like we're going to catch the SEC and the Big Ten financially at some point. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, dude, like uh, you can't. That's just and, – and it seems like that sort of attitude was there from the beginning if they were really asking for $50 million and, and just completely misread the market and what their actual value was. So, yeah, lots of missteps from him there. Not only did they misread the market – well, first, first of all, let me tell you about this. Have you ever heard of Circle K, John Kurtz? Uh, I have, like the gas station? The gas station. All yeah. right. They're partnered here with us on PHNX. It's good. And you can find them pretty much anywhere. Make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff. Remember, right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free Polar Pop, a 32-ounce Polar Pop. John, I'm very much looking forward to finding some Circle Ks in Big 12 country right there. But speaking of uh, Big 12 country, Circle Ks and all of that, the other thing, too, that the Pac-12 drastically was wrong on was the condescending truck stop conference stuff. This was the epitome, in my opinion, of elite level, uh, and I'm saying elite in uh, uh, mocking terms. Uh, we're going to look down on these teams, this and that. Keep in mind, guys, the Pac-12 has not won a basketball championship since 1997, and it's not won a football one since the early 2000s with USC. So this idea that you're going around as this all-encompassing entity, when in actuality, you're not that good is a big reason that we're there and you're calling it school a truck stop conference which is unquestionably the best basketball conference in the country yeah well i was told the pac-12 is a conference of champions uh i don't i don't know if that's non-revenue not. sports sure <laughs> yeah um sorry bill walton i probably shouldn't kick yes. him down right now but yeah i mean no it's a fair point like the i think that was another thing that really galvanized big 12 country and i you know whether or not that really matters, ultimately, you know, your your online fan base and how together they feel. But I think there really was like a uh, just a whole everybody kind of came together around that idea. And like we start, I mean, I started just embracing it. I'm like, OK, fine. Like, yeah, yeah there right. are a lot of truck stops here, man. I've taken a lot of road trips. I, you know, I covered K-State full time for 10 years. I made road trips everywhere in the Big 12 multiple times. I've been in a car a lot. I've been at a lot of truck stops. That That is just the reality. But that doesn't. That doesn't take away from the accomplishments of the teams that are actually out there on the field. It it doesn't. The other thing that I think it does, it's just like this attitude of looking down on these fan bases that care more um, are generally bigger, just have more people that do care um, and pour their heart and soul into these these schools. And, and I think, you know, the other thing that bothers me a little bit is like thinking about. I've seen some, and it seems like it comes from Utah Twitter quite a bit, and I understand it's a Twitter fan base or whatever, but just like, hey, we're trading like, you know, L.A. and Eugene and all these cool trips for, you know, right. Ames and Stillwater and Manhattan. And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm not – I lived in Manhattan for, I mean, too long, honestly, 10-plus uh, years. But it's a great college town. Like, right. Ames is a great college town and the tailgating scene. And if you go to a game, it is great, and it will feel more big time than – I will tell you, one of the games I will never forget covering, 2016. I'm covering K-State. They opened the year at Stanford. That is Christian McCaffrey Stanford, like very good Stanford team. Bryce Love right. was on that team too. I mean, there were probably 7,000 people in that stadium that day. Right. I mean, it was uh, shocking to me as somebody who had been around the country covering K-State for like six, seven years by that point. Shocking. Just no, nobody cares. Nobody's there. Yeah, and nobody's there. It's just a, a totally dead environment, and that was a really good Stanford. So, anyway, it just 
that I think is another thing that has bothered me about all this. It's like, look, the goal is not to be, we're not trying to be the biggest metropolis here. You're trying to do college sports, right? And a lot of these places in the big 12 absolutely do college sports, right? All right. Now let's talk about basketball because I think your Mark made a very clever, I thought it was a very clever move when he took over because again, nobody's catching the sec when it comes to football as a conference. I mean, we, you know, it, it just is what it is, but your Mark took inventory of what he had. And he said, you know what, we're going to turn this into the best basketball conference if it wasn't already in the country. And I think with the addition of Arizona, and again, I'm not saying that Arizona is the one that put it over the hump, but you already have Kansas, which is at the apex of college basketball. You have Baylor, which is one national title in the last three years, three number one seeds in there. They're not going anywhere. You you got your Kansas State right there, by the way, obviously. And as long as Tang is there, they're not going anywhere. You're bringing in Houston. You're bringing in Cincinnati. You're bringing in Arizona. This is going to be a gauntlet. This is going to be a this is the best basketball conference in the country. And that is something that you can market there, John. Yeah. And when one of the things, you know, when we talk about Brett Yormark versus George Klievkov and how I think he was just really smart at understanding what to do here. You're not going to beat the Big Ten and the SEC at their game. Right. So, yeah, adding the four corner schools is great. But you know that that's not going to make you a better football conference. But one thing he's been steadfast on from day one, and I really believe he's going to pull off at some point is decoupling the football and basketball rights, selling basketball separately. And I think he genuinely believes, I mean, I think he believes that could be a double fit, a double fit. Like what am I thinking? Like 10 plus million dollars extra per yeah. school here. Um, now I will even give a little bit of pause to that and be like, Hey, I love you, Brett. I don't know if it's going to be that, but I think it definitely could be some fairly significant extra money by doing that and building up the basketball conference as much as you can. I think that's why he still wants to push for like UConn Gonzaga, uh, maybe basketball only if it's going to work out like that. And I think that's a smart strategy because it's Do trying you see to see that as a possibility. Sorry to interrupt. Do you see that as a possibility, John? I, I mean, I think it's a possibility. I don't honestly, like you'd, you'd have to talk to your guy, Jason Shear, probably to get better info on that. I'm not going to claim to have like the, the latest inside information on that, but I, I, ju- I mean, I do know UConn, I think is just still, that's going to be there for Brett Yormark until it actually happens or if it doesn't happen and there's just a clean break there. I think he really fancies it, but I think it's because he sees, Hey, the SEC and the Big Ten, they do football. We're not going to beat them in football. But we can make up a significant gap here by getting extra money for basketball and squeezing all the value that's out of basketball that nobody else is really trying to tap into right now. And we're kind of tapped out. I mean, look at the streaming market. Like, we're kind of tapped out. Pac-12 found that out on how much money is there for, like, even live football. But what about basketball? If you go all in and you totally handicap the basketball thing and be the first to jump on top of that – That is a huge way that you can start to bridge some of that gap. You've set yourself up with this wonderful foundation now with the schools that you've added. Now you can go try to be innovative and find other ways to bridge some of that monetary gap and make sure that you're as major a player as possible. And I think this is like an area where Brett Yormark could really, really shine. And it's all about having those, those huge basketball brands that they do now. And what also, I got to give Bobby Robbins a lot of credit here. Arizona, in my opinion, was able to navigate this perf- perfectly because, listen, I mean, these are still academic types at the end of the day, and you're not looking to upset uh, people that you don't need to necessarily upset. But the plan was always, especially with that media deal, to get into the Big 12 at some without upsetting obviously the uh um you know the stanfords of the world if you don't have to and it played out perfectly and they did it with a lot of misinformation being thrown around out there a lot of you know deals right around the corner that were never going to happen um if there was a deal right around the corner it would have happened but the fact though that robbins came out there many times and said we have to have a linear component right there and there was no linear component and they said they stayed fast right there they applied thursday to get into the Big 12, 
Oregon and Washington bolt. Arizona not looking like the bad guy in the S. We have to bring ASU along with us, but that's fine. But I thought Arizona, quite frankly, John, uh, played this perfectly. No, they really did. And and even like seeing some of the press conference quotes to come out, listening to that clip that you played there too, kind of, I think it's Arizona's played this pretty brilliantly to sort of frame it like, hey, I mean, Oregon is the one that they made the decision, you know, 10 minutes before that meeting or whatever to steer this thing the other way. I I mean, everyone's bought it hook, line and sinker. So it's taking as much of the heat off of Arizona as possible there, which I mean, I get why they're doing it because people, but it's just such a stupid narrative that anyone would push out there. Like, Hey, blame the big 12 for this, the, the league that's had six schools poached throughout the entire process. And like, I mean, come on, but I, I get it that that narrative is somewhat out there and, and there's so much pearl clutching about what's happened uh, to the PAC 12 and, going away but i think that's been really well done I, I i appreciate arizona's approach throughout all of this clearly seeing early on like it felt to me like arizona was just one of the schools that saw through some of cleavkov's bs at an earlier stage than perhaps others did and I, you could shed more light on that than i could but that was always my impression of it so i really appreciated that from afar and i think it was clear from you know the way jason Shear had his info and was reporting on this throughout the entire process that arizona was kind of like look like, I don't I don't see where this deal is coming. Like what it George Klyovkov does not seem like he's going to back any of this up. And they were just early adopters there and they were right. Right. All right, John. Can't thank you enough for hopping in here and uh, talking a little bit about Big 12 country and Kansas State. Um, really look forward to playing you guys. And on top of that, when you look at the best of uh, something that the Pac-12 de- generally doesn't have is good basketball and football programs. You got both of them going on right now. So I'm excited for that one, my man. It's a it's a great time to be a K State fan right now. I mean, last year's about as good as it's as it's been certainly in my lifetime. So I am very much looking forward to it too. I've got it. I've got to get to Tucson sometime because I was very uh, distraught as a I was like a college senior. I just started doing some play by play with K State baseball. I was also at the student radio station. I was supposed to go. K State was playing in the NCAA tournament in 2011 in Tucson. Uh, they lost to Wisconsin in the round of 32. But I was supposed to go on that trip, but I had to go do K-State baseball in Austin, so I missed it. Uh, but my buddy did bring me back some Arizona basketball shorts that I still have and wear because I, I love those. those shorts, man. Those are iconic, so I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm ready to experience Tucson. All right, he's John Kurtz from KC Sports Network and K-State Sports. John, thanks so much. We'll be in touch, my guy. Absolutely. Anytime, Mike. Take care. All right, that's John Kurtz. All right, thanks again, John. All right, now. Big 12 fans out there, we're going to talk to you now. I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, how this basically unfolded right here. But first, going to pay one of the bills right here, Shady Rays. Now, you look at Mike Luke and you're like, eh, that guy's not very cool. You know what would make me cool, though? Wearing Shady Rays. And they're comfortable as well. Check it out exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code word PHNX for 50% off. Two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right. Here's, here's how this went down. And I put this out there the other day, but I just figured that I would. Uh, Arizona was never going to go for, in my opinion, Arizona was never going to go for a 100% line, uh, streaming deal. Not only were they not going to it, Bobby Robbins said that. Now, um, 
people ask, well, why didn't Arizona just go earlier than everybody else? You still have to remember that there is, and I'm not talking about Bobby Robbins, but there is a little bit of a, uh, a snobbery in the Pac-12, as I think a lot of people saw right here. And you don't want to upset people. And Bobby Robbins, I do believe, didn't want to be blamed for uh, the one blowing up the Pac-12 conference or the Pac-10 conference. I don't think that that was his, uh, that was his goal. But Arizona was obviously looking at the Big 12 right there. And the money was never going to be there. And when I say the money is never going to be there, I was told by a source very early on that the money and the visibility for Arizona uh, to sustain in the Pac-12 would not be there. And guess what? Lo and behold, it wasn't. $23 million at a, and with 100% streaming is not a deal that anything uh, was going to happen. Now, uh, Jay, uh, Jake in here, my guy, Jake Vegas says, uh, uh, playing politics. This was done Thursday. Good call there, my man. It, it really was. Now, um, when it comes to uh, Arizona, when it comes to the Big 12, what to expect? I think Arizona mirrors a lot of the Big 12 fan base, to be honest with you, because Arizona, if you come to Tucson, Arizona people care about sports. They care about the University of Arizona, basically, or the city of Tucson revolves around Arizona. That's just the way it is, and basketball is what really runs this city right here. It's kind of the biggest small town ever in that there's over, you know, there's there's over a million people, but everybody kind of knows each other or everybody's kind of run into each other at certain stages, and it is a, uh, like I said, it's just a community right here, and that's what always was attractive to me about the Big 12. Watching the Big 12, watching how these fan bases uh, pack the stadiums, it's something you generally don't see here in the pack or in the pack 12 stanford give you an example right here stanford has uh jared Hass has been their basketball coach for the last eight years i don't even know that jared Hass has ever had a winning record but that's because stanford doesn't care about uh basketball same with cal there's all kinds of rumors that cal is going to get rid of their athletic department in the big 12 and again i don't want to speak as a big 12 expert but if you if you're under 500 for 12 or for eight straight years you're probably not going to be a coach at the, at, in the Big 12. That's just kind of the way it is, and that's something that I don't think should really surprise anybody. Uh, Mick Muffin right there, great name, says, uh, Arizona fits so well in our conference. Yes, it does. Um, I just think from a uh, from a cultural geolo- or uh, from a geography and from a sports fan base perspective, it's it's a great fit. But back to Bobby Robbins here for a second because – I'll be honest with you. If you didn't have somebody like Bobby Robbins running this ship, this might not have uh, happened the way it is. Because one thing I can guarantee you is that Michael Crow, Arizona State President, did not want to make this move. And when I tell you he did not want to make this move, he 100% did not want to make this move. And that's because I think Michael Crow is kind of indicative of everything that's wrong with the Pac-12 in college athletics. Now, again, Michael Crow's done some really, really good work when it comes to academics, making ASU better, getting land grants, et cetera. Oh, we got one of these right here, by the way. Um, a uh, welcome from Texas Tech. Please remind our fan base that Arizona, Texas Tech, and ASU were in the same conference for 30 years. TT leads 26-5 in football. All right, thanks, Starter179. Appreciate the compliments. Um, but ASU did not want to do this. And a big reason why ASU didn't want to do this is because he doesn't understand the value of football. He doesn't understand the or the value of sports just in general. And 
He kind of looks down upon it. We've talked about it before, but when ASU coaches, when athletic directors complain that their facilities aren't good enough and Michael Crow hops in there and says, uh, yes, they are, that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, if Bobby Robbins wasn't here, I think there's a good chance that Arizona could have ended up staying in the Pac-10 Pack eight, whatever you want to call it at this point. If Ann Hart Weaver was here, uh, previous president, I think there's a good chance Arizona would have stayed. But Robbins understood the uh, Robbins understood the importance of what he needs to do athletically here, because, again, we all know that these are academic institutions. But at the end of the day, these are still schools that these are these are still basketball Sports are a big part of what it uh, of what all this encompasses, and that's why um, we're lucky to have him. I, I believe that Bobby Robbins is going to go down truly as a transfor- transformational uh, character in all of this because not everybody would have been able to navigate this as deftly as he did. Now, let's talk a little bit about what these four schools are adding to the Big 12, already the best basketball conference there. And But first, OGs. All right, now, this has been frustrating for a lot of Arizona fans, a lot of sleepless nights hoping we were going to get to the Big 12. OG's was here for all of us. Here's the deal. We recommend you check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram at ogsbrands. You can find their products at your local dispensary. You must be 21 years or up uh, to enjoy responsibly. Right now, they got the limited edition gummies. You got all kinds of good stuff. You got new strawberry and cream CBD THC one-to-one ratio, a bunch of good stuff. Again, OG's, that helped us get through a lot of sleepless nights about joining the Big 12. All right, so here's what's going to add. Arizona State, I can't really vouch for Arizona State. Arizona State should be better in sports than they are, but the support generally isn't there. But it still is in a major market, obviously. You should be able to at least do something. Um, Utah, obviously, is very, very good in football. Utah fans are kind of annoying to me, some of them. I like BYU fans more, so that's who I side with in the Holy War. Uh, Colorado is interesting. Dion is a huge unknown, obviously, but I do like uh, I do like that hire. If you're looking at a coach, a basketball coach, Tad Boyle is kind of the John Tesh of uh, college basketball and that he's pretty bland. You're not going to really uh, – he, he's not going to fall on his face, but he's not going to get anywhere either. You're not going to change the channel when you're listening to John Tesh, but you're certainly not going to embrace it either. That's kind of where that is. Um, so those are what you're adding. Arizona, in my opinion, and again, I'm probably a little bit biased here, but Arizona is the one bringing the national brand right here. You're bringing a, a bigger city, and not only are you bringing a bigger city, you're bringing one of the top 15 basketball programs of all time and a bigger uh, thing in all of this is that the fan base shows. McHale, Arizona has led an attendance in the Pac-12 for the last 40 years, and it hasn't been even it hasn't even been close. So these games, you're already looking at it, and I can't tell you how many fans have already started looking at it, saying, "Oh, interesting, Baylor, Baylor coming to Arizona, or Arizona going into Fog, K-State, Texas Tech, and again, the Big 12." Across the board, you it's way beyond just Kansas and Baylor when it comes to basketball. We, like uh, we had a Texas Tech fan in here. Um, by the way, I'm Mike. I'm changing the channel if John Tesh comes on. Fair enough. I do apologize on that one. But 
Arizona, uh, Texas Tech was in the national title game just a few years ago. Kansas State was, you know, Kansas State was within distance of making the final four. Iowa State solid as well. You're bringing in Houston. We already know what Houston has done. Um, just a lot of really, really fun stuff. And you could tell, too, Bobby Robbins' remark, and we're going to play that tomorrow, but I thought Robbins' remark about um, uh, Brett Yormark was interesting. He said, you know, as a heart surgeon uh, or a cardiologist, I can't remember which one it is, I'm sorry, but uh, he said, I like Yormark because he's got a lot of goals, he's straight to the point, and he wants to get things done. And that's kind of where it's at with uh, I think that's where everybody in the Pac-12 was excited because this is a dude that gets things done. When you watch uh, when you watch uh, George Kliakoff, when you watch a lot of these other guys, the big thing is that I think is really annoying is that there was a lot of hollow promises. There was a lot of things that uh, just didn't get done. And I think um, going to the Big 12 where there is action is going to be exciting. Now, I'm going to pat our, pat ourselves on the back a little bit here because I think we were probably the best, uh, along with Sheer, obviously. Um, we wanted to get to the Big 12. We didn't obviously uh, uh, make any bones about it. But – we tried to be pretty uh, – tried to give you as much insight as possible into where Arizona was in the grand scheme of things, and uh, I think we reported on this uh, pretty well. And everybody out there, super excited to be joining you because, again, this is an awesome conference. And what we're going to be doing is two to three times a week, we're going to have a Big 12 insider on here to talk about Air- to talk about the Big 12 from their school, what Arizona fans can expect. And obviously, we're going to be talking about Arizona football here. I'm going to be heading out to a basketball practice here in just a minute before the team heads off to Israel. But first, also, Four Peaks the official brew of PHNX Sports. Check it out. Check out Four Peaks Brew or Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. You must be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. Keep in mind, Arizona's big men, the Four Peaks, Umar Ballo, leader of men, uh, last year, you had a Jewish Tabellis, All-American, Dylan Anderson, Henry Vasar. Those are the Four Peaks right here. Um, also, it's not on here, but I'm going to make sure that we get it read anyways because it's a pretty big deal. Bet MGM. All right. Now, I can't wait to get into the conference to be able to bet on Big 12, Big 12 sports, Big 12 basketball, Big 12 football. By the way, I think Big 12 football is highly underrated in all of this. We're going to be talking about a lot of that throughout the week right here. Here's the deal with BetMGM, though. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our Arizona audience, place your first bet and receive up to 1000 back in bonus bets if it loses. Check out the show notes for full details. Again, now let's hear from Shane Diefenbach with the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-522-4700, Nevada. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Kansas, Nevada, New York, or Ontario. All right, so there's big, or I get BetMGM right there. T, uh, Starter179 says, I went uh, with one of the uh, super chats right here. I like these things. Says, 
I went to an Arizona game and felt like a Big 12 atmosphere, perfect fit. Why are national uh, writers such as Ari Wasserman? I actually went to uh, school with Ari. I don't know why he's upset because, quite frankly, this is a no-brainer to me. And I think that you could probably find that 80 to 90% of Arizona fans are totally on board with this. All right. Uh, speaking of which, something that you can all relate to, I'm going to be heading to Arizona basketball practice now before they head off to Israel. But we're going to have a bunch of stuff coming on throughout the week. We're going to have more Big 12 folks. We're going to have Sheer back on as well. But as always, really appreciate all of you. Arizona Wildcat fans, we are in the Big 12 starting next year. We got this one done. Be back with you tomorrow at 1232 Sun Time. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.